0: The reading of God's Word from Exodus chapter 33 and 34. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Father, be magnified in your Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Exodus chapter 33. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord said to Moses, Depart. Go up hence you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob saying to your descendants I will give it and I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you in the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now, Put off your ornaments from you that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose up. And every man stood at his tent door and looked after Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the door of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the door of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship every man at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, His servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, thou sayest to me, bring up this people. But thou hast not let me know whom thou hast sent with me. Yet thou hast said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, If... I have found favor in thy sight show me now thy ways and I that I may know thee and find favor in thy sight consider too that this nation is thy people and he said my presence will go with you and I will give you rest and he said to him if your presence Will not go with me. Do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not in thy going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from all other people that are upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, I pray you, please now show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you the name, my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to you. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy but he said no man shall see but he said you cannot see my face for man shall not see me see me and live and the lord said here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but not, but my face you shall not see or shall not be seen. Chapter 34, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two. Tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. No man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before the mountain." So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed Before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity, and transgression iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation so Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped then he said if now I have found grace in your sight O Lord let my Lord I pray go among us even though we are a stiff necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons Play the harlot with their gods. You shall make no molded gods for yourselves. The feast of unleavened bread you shall keep seven days. You shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you in the appointed time of the month of Abib. In the month of Abib, you came out from Egypt. All that opened the womb are mine. And every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep, But the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb and if you will not redeem him then you shall break his neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem and none shall appear before me empty handed. Six days shall you work but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest you shall rest and you shall observe The feast of weeks, of the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven. Nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in his mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the ten commandments. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hands. Then he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them, with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai and when Moses had finished speaking with them he put a veil on his face but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him he would take the veil off until he came out and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded and whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses that the skin of Moses face shone then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in To speak with Him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter three. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle. Written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. But how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels for if what is passing away was glorious what remains is more glorious therefore since we have hope we use great boldness of speech unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away But their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As we read two chapters in Exodus, the next chapter also talks about that veiling. let say the word of the Lord. This is the very word by which we live. Without the word we die. How much attention we should give to the word. Second Corinthians 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God but even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe Lest the light of the glory of the gospel of the glory of Christ should shine on them. Glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ, the Lord, in ourselves, your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what it is written, I believed, and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus, will also raise us up with Jesus, and will present us with you, for all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory hallelujah while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal hallelujah hallelujah for we know chapter five, Second Corinthians chapter 5 how many of you love God's word How many of you can hear God's Word all day, all night? Hallelujah. Because one day, we are going to be living with the Word of God. We're going to be living with the Word of God forever and ever. Hallelujah. This is God's Word. Hallelujah. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building, from God, a house, not made with hands, not earthly construction, eternal construction by the master architect, the master builder, the only wise master builder, Christ, hallelujah, he's making a house for us, all of us, for in this, that house is in the heavens, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, with our habitation which is from heaven, there's a new set of clothing in heaven, a new robe, a new home, that's what we should be longing for and have our eyes set upon, because that's where God dwells. That's our everlasting place. If indeed, having been clothed, we should not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared... For this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a deposit, a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body And to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you would rather be with the Lord today, right now? Hallelujah. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. To me, He is so wonderful. To me, he is so wonderful to me. He is so wonderful because He first loved me. Hallelujah. We are confident, yes. Well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our goal, our aim, the whole purpose whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men we plead with them we implore them we say please turn to the Lord while there's time He loves you and there's a judgment for those who don't turn to Him but knowing the terror of the Lord of judgment day we persuade men but we are well known to God and I also trust are well known in your consciences For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judged thus that if one died for all then all died and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation all things have passed away behold all things have become new how good it is to hear these words that we are used to hearing and quoting in the context it's a very definite context now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation we're called to go and bring people, take their hands, take the hand of Christ, and join the hands together. Hallelujah. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, to us, this ministry, this word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors, as if to a foreign country, every Christian, in this very world in which we live, we're ambassadors, we're from above, we're visiting, we've been born from above, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, in Corinth, people were not walking with God, some people, and Paul is saying, remember what happened to you, don't live that life anymore, don't live the old life, come back to God and also we are called to reconcile the world back to God verse 21 for he made him who knew not a single sin not one sin did Jesus ever commit not even one not in thought word or deed the perfect one he made him who? the father made his beloved son the treasure of his heart his very heart he took that sinless perfect lamb of God And He made Him to become sin for us. That we might become, what? Excused? Cleansed a little bit? Prepped up and propped up for some work for God? No. That we might become the very righteousness of the Holy One. He made the Holy One to become sin so that we who are sinners can suddenly become the righteousness of God. How? Absolutely awesome that is. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, for me, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we read Exodus thirty-three and 34. We read these chapters in Second Corinthians. That the Holy Spirit may speak to us directly through his word. We may understand what it means to have the veil taken off, what it means to have the blinders off. Now I can see. Hallelujah! As a song, God gave Paschurba. Now I see clearly. I see the glory of the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah! I see Him. I see the Lord Jesus, and I know exactly what Exodus thirty-three and thirty-four mean for me as a Christian. We just heard it interpreted by the Holy Spirit in Saint Corinthians. Moses came down, and the word is actually luminous. When his face was shining, it literally means rays were shooting out of his face. That's what it means in Hebrew. It wasn't just there was some kind of glow in the dark, mild. There was There were rays coming out. It was hitting the people. And they could not see. You know why? Because his face absorbed the very glory of God in a measure, just a small measure, That small measure is enough to cause His face to emit glorious rays from the Father, from God, from Jesus. So when He came down, they could not take that light. And the Apostle says, that's the same way that the glorious light of the Gospel of Jesus hits people. But they're not able to comprehend it. They can't comprehend that light until the veil is taken away that's why it's so critical for us to pray pray much in secret for those who you want to be saved and say Lord take away this satanic blinder that's there they just can't see no matter how much they hear but Lord if you would take away that veil suddenly they'll be able to see and embrace Christ Moses came down from the mountain having been on top of the mountain he may be seated been on top of the mountain 40 days and 40 nights Not only not eating, but not drinking water. It was a supernatural fast. No human being can do that, apart from a supernatural intervention. He didn't take even a drop of water. Not three days. Forty days. Because God wanted it that way. God was showing, man does not live by bread only. Because Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments and all the other stipulations. Why? God went to great lengths because he took a people from amongst the Canaanites, the Hivites, Jebusites, Gergesites, Perizzites, Hittites—all of these people—because they were killing their children in fire, they were involved in pagan immorality, they were doing detestable things. So much so that in the book of Leviticus and Exodus, God had to bring in also cautions and penalties for bestiality. So gross they became. The whole earth was full of gross darkness. And instead of destroying the whole world, God said, I'm going to take one man, one man from among this filth, who's going to listen to my voice, and I'm going to separate him. That's what God does first. When God comes to a man or woman or a child to save them, He separates them from the filth by touching their hearts. So they know at once, I cannot do what I used to do. Because that is of darkness and God is the light. So he took this man and through that one man, Abram, who became Abraham, came Isaac and Jacob and then the 12 patriarchs. And then those people migrated from Canaan and went into Egypt and that's where they were populous. And they multiplied to thousands and thousands until they became 1 or 1.5 million people, maybe 2 million These were the people who are the children of Israel or Jacob, the children of one man, one man who had no children to himself, who would carry that legacy. And God took that man and said, look at the stars of the sky and the sand on the shore. Can you count them? He had no child to himself through his wife. That God who promised to the man who was waiting 25 years had no child that man's descendants within just a few generations relatively speaking became up to 2 million people that was a group that god took and made a nation and while he was making them a nation he was telling them remember where i took you from we just read it don't go to their houses when they invite you. See how clearly God spoke? People today, they ignore all of God's course, and they say, love, 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 love. are we supposed to love everybody? We're not called to love the devil, or his operations. While we are called to be ambassadors, we are to be led by the Spirit of God, to go only where the King sends the ambassador. Amen the ambassador is on assignment every move we make even the casual things we think among friends we need to ask the Lord, Lord is it your will sometimes we don't know and when we tarry and ask the Lord, He'll tell us, I'm going to go with you, because if His presence doesn't go with us, we will end up sacrificing to those gods God told them way before they even went to the nation how does God know? He knows the end from the beginning he already sees that they're about to go through the Red Sea or they've gone through the Red Sea they're about to go and settle here and God scans the whole territory and all the inhabitants and in God's mind His purpose in Christ is that the believers should be absolutely separate and sanctified from the world so God took precaution to tell them right from the beginning right along with what? the Ten Commandments we're used to only looking at the Ten Commandments there were many other stipulations that God was using to explain what holiness means and who He is and what they should do. How do you honor the Lord? And notice, it seems all of a sudden He says, I'm warning you, when you go there, don't go to be buddy-buddy with the people who don't belong to me because they will suck you in to eventually worship to their gods. And you'll begin to intermingle. You'll give your daughters to their sons and their sons to your daughters and the whole thing will be gone. You're going to be, perish. Somebody says, this is the Old Testament. What about the New? The Lord says in the New Testament, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. Nobody has a right to say, well, now that I'm born again and I'm filled with the spirit, I'm going to be immune to anything and everything. If we set foot where God's presence has not led us, we're no longer under His protection. Amen? We need to have that in our understanding. But, God says the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, no more veil. See the metaphor, and the allegory there? We're only given... One physical explanation in Exodus. When we read the scriptures, we don't know everything. All we have is, the man of God's face was shining, there was an emission that was physically observable and felt by the people who were physical. But the glory came from heaven, so it was a supernatural glory that was transmitted into the physical realm, and the people felt that. Similarly, the gospel, even though it's from heaven, it's transmitted through you and me, who are physical people. Something happens where that word that became flesh gets transmitted through us as we become yielded vessels. Now all of a sudden the words that we speak, and that's why Paul says, you're receiving not the word of a man, but the very word of God it's the word of God that saves, not man's word. Only the word of God can give life. But the God of this age, who is the devil, who is running all the shows, everything that happens under the sun, lots of activity, not only at night time, but during the day. Hosts of activities. And it appears to many that God is not doing anything about it until an earthquake strikes. Until a tsunami hits, until a COVID plague comes. Then all of a sudden people run to the churches and they run for spiritual help and counsel because all of a sudden all of their psychologists and psychiatrists can't help. While they try to cope. Destruction happens. But when people see that all of man's efforts, all of his degrees, all of his learning, all of his uh, anecdotal observations and everything that he's filed away in the laboratories, everything that he can do, In one moment, one earthquake, you know what? No discrimination. An earthquake in a metropolitan city where you have people with the highest IQ in the whole world who have all the money and all the power to the person on the street who has nothing. The people who are entertainers and politicians and out there in the limelight to the person who is in obscurity and living in a cardboard box. In one moment, that earthquake wipes everybody out. It seems it's only then that people start thinking, I don't think I can trust in me anymore. I don't think I can trust in man anymore. There's got to be something else. Please, is there hope? If they survive, they're looking for hope we have the ministry of reconciliation that we tell people do not trust in your riches don't trust in your education don't trust in your family heritage don't trust in your wealth, your property don't trust in your IQ don't trust in your looks don't trust in anything because everything is vanity in one second it will be leveled away a tsunami comes and it wipes away every structure nobody remains but God says riches do not profit in the day of wrath whoever says with all their philosophical methodology Christians, it's sad and they go to great lengths to publish articles and sermonize on these points oh no, that that plague is not of God, I think it's very simplistic and foolish to attribute to God God is good anyone who reads the scriptures knows God is good and that's why he has to judge that's why he has to stop the devil's show when people are committing sin after sin. But the same God says this, righteousness delivers from death. Abraham was walking when he was Abram with Terah, his father, with his brother, whole family, they were a clan together. They were doing well in Mesopotamia. God who sees them from the beginning just took him like we take a, a one maybe a bottle on the table and we separate that from the rest some item we just separate because we want to do something with it Abraham didn't resist he just went with the Lord and God transformed everything this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ when we embrace it notice in the second chapter that we read from Corinthians he says no more malice no more deceitfulness no more trickery We have to examine our lives. If God's light has come into our lives, everything should be exposed before the Lord voluntarily. Where we say, Lord, are my motives right? God who can hear my thoughts. David says, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it all together. Before I even say anything, Lord, you know it. Jesus said that. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. In that case, we need to go to God and say, Lord, is that light in every area of my life? This glorious light that way back on Sinai, they didn't really know. It was a primitive people. God was beginning to school them. And He would give laws to let them know the standard. You see? If we just say, if God just would have said, I'm on Sinai, I love you, and let's go. I'm going to give you this. He had to tell them because man's heart is corrupt. The moment somebody gets a little power a little strength what happens usually they begin to flaunt it they begin to abuse people God told them you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself but before that remember I'm God I am the holy one you shall worship no other god but me and then he says don't take the name of the lord god in vain uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep a holy, honor your father and mother, don't kill, don't commit adultery and all these commandments. Why? He had to tell these laws so they can have an understanding. All they knew was, in Egypt, the Egyptian laws, and their servitude. But you see, God was not just sympathetic in thinking these poor children of my friend Abraham, they're beaten up, they're slaves, all they need is love. Have you ever heard that? All you need is love. Love and truth have to go together. So God's truth had to come to them, because even though they were oppressed, how quickly they turned on the Lord, within three days of coming out of hundreds of years of slavery. After seeing the, imagine this big sanctuary here. Suppose the water is up to the balcony level and all of a sudden it's parted and one wall over there, one wall heap of water there, heap of water there the whole sea and we're walking on dry ground they literally experienced that and when they got to the other side that's when the walls collapsed and the waters came back and destroyed the enemies they just saw it within 72 hours they started turning on the Lord how the Lord's wisdom gives us exactly what we need sometimes humanly even in ministry we may think the person needs to hear this I've got it all calculated we need to shut that down and say Father help me to die to me so I don't interfere with your work because you know what's best sometimes just when we think we need to give a loving very polished word to someone the Spirit of God who knows the heart says I want you to speak this way and then when we think this person is really really bad and I need to straighten them out the Spirit of God may come and say, at this time I don't want you to say that, I want you to show love. Because only God knows the heart. God knew this people's heart, that they will begin very quickly to turn on Him, and they will destroy themselves. So He gave them a heads up. Be careful when you start going. And when you get there, where? Houses that you didn't build, gardens and fields that you didn't sow into, milk and honey for you but with all the blessing all your joy and celebration do not provoke me to anger why did God have to say that? because they ended up doing that thankfully some like Caleb and Joshua and Moses they listened so God's word would come to his church just the way he sees fit and whatever we absorb from the reading of the word and the exposition of the scriptures it's for you and for me. It's not a lecture or something topical or something nice. Let's connect it together. It's the living word. Is God talking to you? I hope He is because He's talking to me. That every area of our lives must come under His subjection and we should rejoice in Him. But always be alert that we never make league with the enemy. And He won't come outrightly in our face all the time. He'll come deceitfully. That's why the Lord says, when you step into the land and you see, Hi there, Canaanite, hello, we're your new neighbors. No, we didn't buy the house, it came free. But, hi Hittites, we're Israelites. Right away, can you come to my house for dinner? How about you? I have a great, uh whatever they call it for the kids, your kids can come and play with my kids. They can jump all day. We got this big thing set up. God says, don't do it. But Lord, we have to show them love. I mean, if we're going to be living with them side by side, actually, what did God say? Little by little, He's going to drive them out. God's mind was, the land that you're going to, this vast territory, Palestine, the Canaanite territory, inch by inch, just like I swore to your father Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, every bit of the property belongs to you. And I'm not going to drive them out all at once, because you need to grow up into the shoes I'm giving you to become what? Rulers in this land. To take their herds and flocks. Oh wow, isn't God awesome? The Lord already planned it out. I'm going to give you everything. But this is how I'm going to do it. And in the interim, if you hold hands with any of them, it's going to be very bad for you. They're serving Satan. So don't try to be nice with them. I'm going to bring a wedge between you and them. Don't cross the boundary. And God would have. Wasn't He the God who said, I have made you the head and not the tail. I placed you above and not beneath. You are going to lend to many, not borrow. God was just setting up everything so beautifully for them. And so for us, God says everything in your life that is unsettled, every area where there's a gap, where there's a, there's a void, there's something that is not yet fulfilled. The God who promised and prophesied says everything will be filled everything will be done, hallelujah God is not a God who does it partially, amen, when He does something He does it perfect, hallelujah He does it perfectly perfect healing, perfect salvation, perfect life in the Son, hallelujah we may have persecution tribulation but that perfection in us will not be marred, that's what we're after, we want to live as we read twice well pleasing to the Lord hallelujah hallelujah let's stand to our feet and praise God and worship Him thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah oh how wise the Lord is oh magnify the Lord together with me He is all wise hallelujah we are called to be a separated people hallelujah we are in the world but not of the world hallelujah we are above and not beneath hallelujah but we will reach down the lowest pit to rescue anyone God sends us to, with God's love, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh what love, what truth, oh Jesus, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, Stanley if you're around, if you can come up the guitar, hallelujah, thank you Lord, this day is a glorious day, Nehemiah said, don't mourn today, for this day is a day of great joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Nehemiah said, don't mourn today. It's the third day. Hallelujah. It's a glorious day. Hallelujah. Where God has triumphed. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, when we can't breathe, when we are absolutely devastated, we can't move, every breath hurts. As I experienced the past couple of weeks, on and off, and today... I have new strength. Hallelujah. Because God's people prayed. Hallelujah. And God heard. Hallelujah. I can raise my hand up. Hallelujah. And whatever pain is remaining will go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so for the beloved people of God, believe it. Believe it. Whatever pain you have, it's gotta go. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He gives strength to the weak. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it with me, the word of God. And as you say it, would you close your eyes and confess this psalm. Because in the very psalm, he says, I'm going to turn the tables on the enemy. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'll lift you up and put him down. Hallelujah! The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Can you imagine a sheep looking at those green meadows and just longing for that? Sheep has said, sheep and lamb, they love tender grass. These are not just dried or any old grass, green pastures, verdant, full of life, the best. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. This is the word of God. This is what God has communicated to us in Psalm 23. How precious. God's saying, don't worry, I am your shepherd. I am your shepherd. I will guide you. I will be with you. I will provide for you. Don't trust in any other God. I am the living God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. He's a living God. Thank you, He's a good God. Hallelujah. hallelujah. You, Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That means He has placed me in a place of abundance. Even luxurious. That's our God. Hallelujah. He's such a good Father. He leads me beside... Not raging waters. he take me through the raging waters, but bring me to a place of still, quiet, peaceful waters. He restores my soul. Whatever agitation is there, whatever difficulty, God says, with the food that I'm giving you, the word of God, with the river of life that I'm giving you, you will have perfect peace. Tranquility from heaven. Oh Jesus, thank you. He leads me. Can you imagine the shepherd in front of you, your sheep following? The shepherd knows. The shepherd knows. Look, the shepherd is turning that way. Where is he going? Why? He's leading me in the path of righteousness. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake because he's righteous. God will never lead you into sin. Amen? God will never lead you into sin. Hallelujah! We don't have to worry. There's so many demons that people worship as gods, they don't know what to think. So they do all kinds of stuff. They said that the god or goddess or whatever I'm worshipping told me to go do this, and look what happened, disaster. Because that's not God. But the living God, He's a righteous God. He only leads me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For His name's sake. Yes, yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because God is with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They keep me in, in line. They make sure I'm walking right, and they defend me against evil. Thank you, Lord. In this path of the cross we have a Savior who has gone before us. He will make sure we go through the path without being touched by the devil. Hallelujah! We will be faithful to Him. We will maintain our integrity and be well-pleasing to our Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table. God's table is a grand table. It's no small table. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You anoint my head. You know what they used to do back then? They literally took a horn of oil, a flask of oil. They would just pour it on the person. And when that oil was being poured, not any oil, not any person, when the Lord said to do it, and the person who the Lord commanded to do it, when David got anointed, even though he's a teenager, and he wouldn't become king for a while, something happened that day. It wasn't just a feeling of oil. I never had anyone put oil on me like that. I never had a prophet do that. It was more than that. The Spirit of God came through the oil. From that day he was anointed. From that day he was being personally groomed for the throne. That's exactly what God wants to do for us. The very day we submit our heads to the Lord and say, Lord, touch me. Lord, I want to be led only in one path. Your path, no other path. No deviation, Lord. Straight down the path of the cross. That day when we commit ourselves, and the Lord anoints our heads with oil, and our cups overflow. Then we'll know, for sure, goodness and mercy will follow us forever, all the days of our lives. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's bringing us out. I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He gives me help every step of the way. You anoint my head with oil as he prepares the table he doesn't just prepare a table and says sit down God demonstrates in front of the enemies just like he did with Mordecai thus shall it be done for the man whom the king honors Psalm 128 says this is what will happen to the one who fears God's name God will touch every part of that person's life And they will have a satisfied life. People are looking for satisfaction. And they can't get it. They cannot get satisfaction. Because it's not meant to be that way. They can't. Only Jesus satisfies. We have the Lord. We need the anointing of the Lord. You see what God is communicating? God has more for you and me. He has more for you and me. He has more anointing, more satisfaction, more lying on those green meadows, more drinking of of that still water. More of his hand manifested and demonstrated. Maybe we will see, like Daniel saw, angels coming and shutting the mouths of the lions. In this age of the Holy Ghost, God will give visions. Maybe you'll see an angel. We don't look for it, but it's not out of God's plan for some people. It says in the book of Hebrews, be careful to entertain strangers. Why? because some have entertained strangers before not knowing they were angels they were actually entertaining angels it's real Abraham had three people come to him in the heat of the day by the tents in Mamre and he didn't know it was two angels there were two angels and the Lord himself he just went and did that Middle Eastern hospitality got them food washed their feet and everything and told Sarah to get the, the food ready and then God began to talk and while God is talking with him two of the men turned their face towards Sodom and they began to walk and one man stayed in front of Abraham when that one man finished speaking it says the Lord went up the man disappeared that was a appearance of God the two men all of a sudden the two men were now called angels because that's where they were in this realm of the Holy Spirit Be open to whatever God wants to show you. Know and expect that God will show you dreams and visions. He may show you angels, but be aware of the counterfeit. Beware of this carnal desire, I want to see an angel because we want to see Christ. Amen? We want to see Jesus, but sometimes the Lord will show. There are people who met people, even recently I heard, there was a man who called uh, an evangelist, to meet with him for lunch and he had a tragedy in his life and when they were done he said thank you so much for inviting me to lunch he said when did I invite you he said this morning I saw you and he described the street exactly as the evangelist looked so the man described it he said it was you I was talking to you he said I wasn't there I was far away during that time I was an angel God still does those things Beware of the counterfeit. But don't discount the real. In other words, when he anoints your head with oil, God will open him so much more than the television can give you. So much more than Hollywood could try to construct. Do you want the real thing? Hallelujah! The real appearance of God? The real touch of the Holy Spirit? You have to be done with the fake. And say, I don't want anymore. God says, for sure... Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. If we're separated to Him, we're consecrated to Him, we're ready for the impartation. God will never impart until we're separated from all our former way and say, God, change me. And until we're consecrated to The right way. When God leads us into right paths, and He says throw this out, we have to throw it out. When He says embrace this, what? Early in the morning pray, read the Bible, have an appetite, don't hold yourself back. When the Spirit of God gives an impulse, I want you to pray now, drop everything, do that. That's how we are consecrated to God. When the Holy Spirit says, I want you to read, you know what? Sometimes this will happen. Maybe it's happened to you. There's a particular text in the scripture a particular portion that you find difficult. And it may be something like the genealogy. Who is the father of who? And, and maybe the Spirit of God will say, I want you to read that now. And instantly there's a, there's a disturbance because I, I, I've been there before and I, I don't get much out of it. And it's kind of uh, uh, a chore to go through that. Can't I read a psalm, Lord? And God says, I want you to read that. When we have that impulse, beloved know that it won't be the devil who's telling you to do that? Believe you me, the devil won't have you read any scripture, period. So if it's a scripture that's coming to you, or God is saying, read part of the Bible, it's the Lord. That's where we begin to make that progress of being able to hear and implicitly obey. And it's the little things that nobody knows about. When the Holy Spirit whispers to you and you you step forward and say, I'm going to do it. You know what? You have just crossed a big hurdle in your life. Because many times we think it's our thoughts, but when it comes to the things of God, it's not us, it's coming from Him. And when we drop what we're doing to give this a priority, that's when we actually make that progress. Now God will lead us even further. So don't shortchange yourselves. Don't stunt your own spiritual growth. Go fully with whatever God's saying. Obey implicitly all the time. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the exhortations. We thank you, Lord.